The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. There are all kinds of moments in our lives that are giving us opportunities to pause and ask these really, really big questions. Sometimes that moment where life is just churning, 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 but in the middle of that churn, can I press pause early in the morning or grabbing just a few minutes in the middle of my day or, or, or late at night before I go to sleep? Can I ask about that daily churn? Is it really getting me where I want to go? Or even more importantly, is where I'm trying to go actually worth trying to get to? Good morning, Next Big Idea Daily listeners. I just want to give you a heads up that this week we're going deep, really deep. Like, what's the meaning of life deep? Like, what makes life worth living deep? These are the kinds of big questions that it's easy to avoid asking. In the muck of getting things done, we rarely pause to think about why we're doing everything we're doing. What's the overall shape of our life? And what is it aimed at? And if you're like me, even when you do find the time to ask those questions, you don't. They're scary, after all. They're like staring into a void. But we're going to be brave, and we're going to try this week with the help of Matt Crosman and Ryan McAnally-Linz, Yale professors, theologians, and writers who've co-authored a book with Miroslav Volf called Life Worth Living, A Guide to What Matters Most. It's based on a class they've been teaching for years to undergraduates at Yale. But whatever stage of life you're in, they're going to help us think through these big questions. The first thing to do, they say, is to frame the question correctly. The right question to ask is not so much, what do I really want in life, but what is worth wanting? Here's Matt to explain. It doesn't do much good to get more of what we're after if what we're after isn't really what we want. And that points to a question that goes deeper than strategy and takes us to the level of self-reflection. What do we really want? Does professional success, for example, really matter to you as much as you think? Or might your deeper desire be for something else? More and better time with family and friends, or space for artistic creativity, and so on. Getting to the heart of these things can take serious work, and so this might seem like bedrock, as deep as it gets. I mean, what's deeper than our deepest desires? It might seem like we simply can't ask a more fundamental question. But we can, and we should. The deeper question, the question that can truly change our lives, ground us, and give us direction, is not, what do I really want? It's, what is really worth wanting? This is one way of putting the most important question of our lives, what in the book we just call the capital Q question. We can formulate the question in a ton of different ways. What is a good life? What makes life worth living? What does it mean to flourish? And so on. And they all involve the issue of worth. And they all point to the uncomfortable possibility that the desires we happen to have could be profoundly misaligned, that they might be leading us astray into lives that are less significant, less good than they could be. Matt Crosman and Ryan McAnally-Linz, welcome to the Next Big Idea Daily. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to be with you. What's the origin story of this book? How did this come to be? 
So back in 2013, Miroslav Wolf, who was at the time my doctoral advisor, told me that he was thinking about creating this class called Life Worth Living. He had noticed that students were really itching for the opportunity to bring the best of their intellectual energy into contact with the sort of existential questions that they had conversations about in their dorm rooms at 2 a.m., and I said, that sounds amazing. Let me in. So I kind of pried my way into, into originating this class. The first one went better than we could have possibly expected. Students really connected. We, we found that we, we had, in fact, hit on something they were really looking for. Then we realized we needed to do it again. And so we handed it over for the next year to, at the time, our new colleague, Matt Crosman. Matt, do you want to take it from there? Yeah, so we had a lot of student demand right from the beginning. We were sort of growing the course at Yale, teaching more and more students every year to the point where these days we're teaching around 100 students each year after having begun with a small seminar of 14 or 15. But we also started to find as we were teaching this class at Yale that folks outside the university were really excited to have these conversations as well. Places that in retrospect shouldn't be surprising at all, like inside a prison or folks indeed in the U.S. military under the care of chaplains who are asking big, big questions about life. And so we, we kept asking ourselves, how could we offer access to these questions and these rich religious and cultural and philosophical traditions and materials that we were offering to Yale students? How could we share that with a broader audience. And, and ultimately, this book is the product of that quest. Throughout the book, you sometimes refer to the question that you're trying to help people ask and answer for themselves. What is that question? What's the, what's the key thing that you're trying to get people to ask themselves and hopefully find an answer for? My favorite way of phrasing the question is, what sort of life is worthy of our shared humanity? Hmm. The reason I love that phrasing of it is because it makes it clear that it's both a personal question. Each one of us has to answer that question. It has mm -hmm. to do with our own lives, but there's also something shared about it. It is ultimately about exploring something we share together, the nature and texture and shape of our humanity. Now that said, that's a way too big a question to mm -hmm. take on just all together. And so a lot of what we do in the book is we sort of break up that really big question into some smaller, still uh, large, but maybe slightly more manageable pieces. Clearly, this is something that young people are interested in and wanting to grapple with. But how do you think the same kind of thinking that you're encouraging in your book applies to those of us who are a little older, who are kind of just already in the stream of things and haven't maybe really grappled with that? Why, why do we even need to? Can't we just get on with living our lives? Well, these kinds of questions are often salient in our lives in moments of crisis. And many of our undergraduates are at the cusp of what is sometimes called a quarter-life crisis. But of course, that's modeled off of the more common midlife crisis. And there are crises occasioned by great tragedies in our life, crises occasioned by great successes in our lives. There are all kinds of moments in our lives that are giving us opportunities to pause and ask these really, really big questions. But I think one of the things that we're also trying to do with this book is suggest that sometimes that moment where life is just churning, 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 and we aren't being forced to take up these questions, that too is a moment, an opportunity, a sort of special gift to us to have, hey, life is going okay right now, but in the middle of that churn, can I press pause early in the morning or 
grabbing just a few minutes in the middle of my day or, or, or late at night before I go to sleep? Can I ask about that daily churn? Is it really getting me where I want to go? Or even more importantly, is where I'm trying to go actually worth trying to get to? Mm-hmm. Your, your first big idea is not everything you want is worth wanting. And I think you're sort of getting into that now with this idea that, you know, in a world that's kind of obsessed with productivity, and frankly, on a podcast that often gets obsessed with productivity. <laughs> I like the self-awareness. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're encouraging us to ask, well, productive for what? What are we producing and why? How do you help your students and your readers disambiguate their own desires from the kind of cultural stew that they're in that might be telling them, you should get a good job, you need to make a certain amount of money, you should get married, you should do this and that, and rarely pause to think, well, is that actually what I want to do? The bad news here is I don't think you can actually cleanly pry those things apart. There's no real kernel of authentic you desire that just comes from you and doesn't have any social shaping. The good news is I think that social shaping is part of what it means to be a human being and is part of how we flourish in community with one another. And that means that you can actually turn towards deep conversation with others as a way of discerning. And the question becomes less like the anxious pursuit of what's really, really, really you. And you can peel back layer after layer after layer. And you're like, when have I hit bedrock of me mm-hmm. and peeled off the expectations of my colleagues and my family and my tradition and Western civilization? <laughs> you could just go crazy, right? And it's more what's worthy. I think the turn to worth that we're trying to encourage people towards and that we try to lead our students towards actually helps resolve some of the anxiety of of the navel gazing and the constant introspection and is more like, hey, this is a question we share. What's worthy? And let's try to discern that together. You talk about like the Walgreens vision of life, which is, I, I think, the one we've all inherited, which is basically that probably the goal of life is to have a long, happy, healthy life. And a, a lot of us feel, yeah, that that sounds pretty good. But I think you challenge us to to push past that because, well, why? Whose happiness? Your own? Is this just about your own pleasure? Or are you trying to live a happy life to benefit someone else or society? So to to kind of just not accept that like just living a long time is in and of itself a good goal. I mean, there's a famous line from Hamilton, right? It says, if you don't know what you're willing to die for, then do you know what to live for? And if we answer the question with what is a good life with, well, first of all, it's just, it's long, happy and healthy. We've actually foreclosed on all kinds of like rich reflection on what makes for a good life where, where that question of what's worth dying for is actually at the center. And, and so, yeah, we try to go through and consider some of the lives that many of us really admire and might want to, in certain respects, imitate. And those lives aren't all necessarily long. They're not all necessarily happy. They're not all necessarily healthy. We're not advocating for short, sad, and sickly. I mean, (laughs) that's not the point, right? The point is that there might be other things that are yet more valuable, even than these three things that seem so transparently obvious and good to us. That question, what are you willing to die for? That kind of cuts to the heart of it in some ways. Is that one of the questions you would ask people to think through? You asked Matt, How do you summarize the question? Mm. This is another good way of just getting to the heart of it. When the chips are down, is there anything you value more than your own life? And what is it? 
there's a great passage in in Mencius, this ancient Confucian thinker, where he portrays like two different food types. Like I like food type one, I forget what it is, but I like food type two, which is bear paw more. Um, And so if you give me the option, I'm taking bear paw. And then he says this, I like life, but I like righteousness, like, Mm. like doing the right thing more. And if you make me choose, I'm going to choose righteousness. And that's the kind of thinking that, that the, what are you willing to die for question gets on the table in a way that sometimes if we're thinking almost all in terms of like dreaming, we can get a little, a little squishy and, and kind of cut ourselves a bit more slack than if we ask that really pointed question. Yeah. There's, there's something about your own death that is very clarifying. You know, it forces the issue to the front of your mind. Well, I warned you we were going deep this week, right? So I'll just go ahead and ask, what would you be willing to die for? Your family, your country, justice? If you don't have a ready answer to this question, don't worry. We're going to take it slow and break things down to make it easier to ask these big questions. Come back tomorrow when Matt and Ryan are going to give us another tool for asking and answering what makes life worth living. If you're getting something from this podcast, I hope you'll share it with a friend, maybe someone trying to figure out their purpose in life. And give us a rating and review in your podcast player that will help others find the show. Thanks for spreading the love. See you tomorrow.